Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style and powerography would like to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners quartz and canary jewelry and wellness company use code empower 15 to receive 15 percent off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com quartz and canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style hello there brad walsh here your host of the empowerography podcast today my guest is mandara lebovitz She is a trauma-informed holistic life coach, an energy healer, a mind-body syndrome practitioner, a medical intuitive, an award-winning speaker, and a fine artist who works with the process of pyrography. Hello, Mandara. Welcome and thank you for, for being here today. Hi, thanks so much. I love that I'm here today. Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure and honor to have you here. And I thank you for taking the time and making the time to be here with me today and share a little bit about your story and your journey. I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you. It is my pleasure. So as mentioned, I'm not going to go through that whole long resume again. (laughs) That is a hell of a lot of hats and quite a resume you have. How on earth do you find the time for all of this? And I mean, I know you don't do all of these things all at once. You don't wear the same hats all the time. But how do you prioritize and how important is prioritization to you? The way I see it, I'm an intuitive. That's my gift. That's my superpower, if you will. And I've Mm -hmm. developed my intuition in multiple streams, (laughs) (laughs) whether that's creating a piece of art, coaching somebody, helping someone heal from trauma, working with chronic pain. I always use my intuition. When I create art for somebody, I'm intuiting. I'm I'm literally getting into their psyche. I put on music they most likely would like to uh, listen to while I paint. I picture it hanging on the wall in their house when I make a commission for example, and I really get into the intuitive feelings and I channel what I'm feeling, uh, the colors, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I do this with the healing. I channel people's higher self wisdom along with my training, which of course is science-based and, you know, I've trained as a mind-based practitioner and in some coaching and trauma-informed practices, but I blend it with the intuitive work always. So for me, it's, it's flowing. It it flows to go from doing a couple client healings to going into my studio. There's a certain flow. And I definitely use energy healing, mind-body syndrome work, coaching, the medical intuitive side. That all goes into one. That's pretty much one process and each each session with a client, I kind of figure out what they need. You know, we figure it out together and we work together. So sometimes people just need a bit of healing and they need some calm restored to their body and their being. And other times we get deep into the trauma work and we go and we heal those wounds so that they can heal chronic pain. Sounds like a lovely, beautiful process, Mandara. I've finally come into that place over these last <laughs> many few years where it's like, okay, it's flowing. That word flow yeah. is important. And I, I only feel like it's going to get better the more that I open to receive, you know, the universe is moving me versus me trying to plan out everything. I pref- I'm really trying to get more of a yin practice in my life versus the yang structured. Yeah, I process. love it. 
Yeah. So Mandara, how long have you been a trauma-informed holistic life coach? The title itself has mm-hmm. been amalgamated over the last couple of years. It's, it's okay. sort of the trauma-informed piece um, over the last couple of years and the life coaching. Life coaching is something I've always wanted to do. I've been working in the intuitive energy field for about 15 years. A big part of that was working on myself and then giving that <laughs> that stuff away free, you know, working yeah. on people. And then a few years ago, I left my career in adult education to okay. pursue the healing arts, the dream of becoming a life coach. And so this has been a very, it's a very sacred practice for me because it's been coming for a long time, but it was the decision to do it. <laughs> and yeah. then it helped unleash the medical intuitive piece, which my skills completely heightened in the business. We say, you know, we can see I became yeah. here yeah. over the last couple of years. So what inspired your journey then into the world of coaching? Did this journey begin with your own personal struggles? Absolutely. Yeah. Every healer pretty much will tell you that they've had to heal themselves first before they can heal another. Can you yeah. share a little bit about your personal struggles? Absolutely. So my pain began at the age of nine. That's when I became wow. conscious that I was nine. In- Yes. <laughs> Nine oh, years man. old. And in the study of mind-body syndrome work, which is the study of chronic pain, which we can get into a little later in mm-hmm. more depth than what I do there, but you know, it's quite rare for children to have chronic pain begin that young. It's in the 2% category. Most people will start chronic pain in the ages between 30 and 60, because those are the years where stress is the highest. So wherever you have a weakness in your body, if it's, or, or being mental or physical, it shows up usually in those years. For me, it showed up young and I've gone on a journey to figure out why that is without blame there's no blame towards anyone in my in my life. My parents are wonderful human beings who yeah. are very supportive. However, nobody's perfect. <laughs> and something called early childhood separation anxiety appears to be all the science is backing that this is what causes chronic pain and possibly autoimmune diseases. So my weakness, my pain was a combination of being born with nearly spina bifida, which means my spine was just barely closed when I was born. I was born a little bit early. And so there was a weakness set in there. However, the study goes, people have had my condition. A lot of people may or may not have surgery because of that later in life. They, I was told I wouldn't, but therein lies at their age 13, I did need surgery. And so some people could have the surgery and not have any pain. So I study mind-body syndrome where the study is the science of pain. How does pain show up? Why is it painful? You know, we can fall and not hurt ourselves. We can fall and feel it for years to come. What's the difference? So my journey into becoming this energy healer and mind-body syndrome practitioner was very much based on my own experience of healing 22 years of chronic pain, which began at the age of nine. But now I know actually would have started in infancy in terms of not pain, but an emotional repression, something happened, a separation with my caregivers at some time. And this all contributed to the journey that I've, <laughs> I was on. And there's been a lot of work, a lot of struggle and a lot of wisdom, hard-earned wisdom. And I have a lot to impart. I have a lot of wisdom to impart. impart so. That is incredible. So essentially, you were able to heal yourself as a medical intuitive and as a mind-body syndrome practitioner. 
Yeah, the mind-body syndrome practitioner, the science of pain has been a newer study for me, but I now recognize what I was doing. I intuitively healed myself. Yeah, exactly right. I intuitively healed myself with energy healing and medical intuitive work. Yeah, myself. So I started that 13 years ago, but I, I went from being pretty well bedridden at the time, you know, this, this pattern would reoccur. I I was bedridden on and off from the age of uh, 13 when my first surgery was uh, spinal fusion was done, but I could also live normally. Like I I traveled, I worked, and then suddenly my back would spasm, you know, every month or two months and I'd be bedridden for a little bit and then off I'd go again. And this is the pattern for, for 22 years. And then one day I woke up in the middle of the night, age 30, my daughter was about seven. My husband was asleep in his his bed was snoring. He woke me up from his snoring. <laughs> you know how it goes. Yeah. But it turned out to be a gift. His snoring was a gift. And uh, because it woke me up and I thought, oh, I'm my back sore. I'll just go meditate in the, you know, I set myself up in the living room and yeah. I've been meditating for years, but suddenly this beautiful connection to what I call my higher self, people could call it self-awareness universe. Maybe some people refer to it as God and I force energy. And I just started channeling this wisdom and I decided then and there, honestly, I, from every night onward for 13 years, now I don't do it every night or anything, but I developed right. a different practice, but it started at night and moved to daytime. It was a practice of intentional surrender and sitting, waiting to be moved, just deep breathing and allowing whatever needed to come through. And I ended up developing a yogic practice. I ended up going into Pilates, Qigong, techniques physiotherapists had shown me over the years would suddenly come through in a sequence that was healing for me. And I never went beyond what I could do. I never went beyond my breath. I allowed the healing to happen. And I truly believe, Brad, that everybody has this ability. It's about getting out of our own way. The practice isn't about doing, it's about allowing. And that is a yin practice. And Of course, then one turns and one gets all yang about things and goes, okay, I'm going to go full charge ahead and start doing this stuff. And it's it's a balance, but we always have to come back to the two. There's a intention and a doing, but there's an allowing and yeah, that healing can come through for anybody. So that's what I teach people. I really teach people how to get in position to To heal themselves. Yeah. That is incredible. So you have no more back pain whatsoever. My back pain is... I actually grew my spine one inch taller than the process. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually taller than when I was a teen. What? Yeah. So that it, it, it was very exciting. You can imagine coming from a state of chronic pain, you know, every yeah. never never trusting. You know, just always in a state of the other shoe's gonna drop or the shit's gonna hit the fan. It's that yeah. kind of feeling. And that I describe chronic pain as like or I had sciatic pain and, and spasm, back spasm, and sciatic pain is like I, I think I wrote this sciatica before and it oh, you, is, you know, you know what yes. it is. It's like, oh, yeah. it's like scraping at your bones, at your nerves. It's like answering oh. all over you. It's hot. It's annoying. It's so ang- angry. You can't sit for too long. You can't lie down for too long. No. It's just constant. It's endless. Pain. You can't yeah. get comfortable. Exactly. It's some form of torture, right? Yeah. And I just got used to it in a certain part of my being, which is the worst thing one can do. Yeah. (laughs) And I stuffed it away and just dealt with it for years and thought there was nothing I could do. So to go from that place to the practice of sitting, and I would sit for like two hours, Brad, like, because when it feels good, you don't want to stop. No, of course. 
it felt great. I allowed that feeling like I just want to be guided and go as slow as I need to go and feel good. And I allowed the feel, you know, some people have like no pain, no gain. I've been anti that statement for a long time. I'm starting to allow it in again, because I am understanding the science of pain. There are points where we can push through if we're getting stuck. Right. However, generally you do not have to be in pain. You can just allow and breathe through it. Breathing is a huge thing, right? Everyone's into breath work these days. It's amazing. It starts with the breath. It starts with grounding connecting to your, there's a process to connecting, I believe to your higher self and allowing. You know, I've just recently watched two documentaries on grounding or earthing as they call it. And Mm -hmm. my mind is just blown like abs. And and then of course, now your story, it's absolutely mind blowing for me. Like, this is crazy. I I think it's phenomenal. It's, it's the power, the power of our minds we don't even realize how powerful our minds are. And the fact that we can tap into that strength and use that power for ourselves, to heal ourselves, to overcome things, to over, to shift our mindset, all of these things that we have the power within us to do that we don't even fucking realize we have. Why don't it's, we realize this? What is wrong with the world? That condition, I think it's conditioning. Wisdom. Yeah, this is conditioning, right? It's conditioning for whatever purposes, whatever, whoever has, because ancient, this is ancient knowledge. I mean, it's been around for thousands of years. And the fact that this is in our DNA, that it's in our beings, you know, or if you want to say our souls, it's, it's, it's in us at a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual level and beyond. So it's there waiting for us. And this is what I love about the quantum field because the science is catching up to the mystics and their understanding. And this is why Joe Dispenza's work is so important because he's, he's explaining, he's had mystical experiences himself. He's Mm -hmm. studied thousands of people who've had stories like mine and they're able to explain because people need proof. I mean, for whatever reason, we trust that we're going to breathe in air every second of every day, but we can't trust that we could breathe in wisdom from our higher selves that could give us healing. But it's all part of, you know, it's, if it's provable, then people will, will take it in. And I'm I'm all good with that. I, my experience was tangible for me. That's why I believe in what I do. But it's not even, it's not even just the healing though, Mandara, it's everything that the power we have to shift our mind. Like, and of course, I guess mindset would really be the key to all of it, right? Because once you shift your mindset, then you can start to heal. You can start working on healing if that's what you need or attain it, like manifestate all of these things. It's all there. Yes. Absolutely. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, man. No, you didn't. I love that. I feel your passion, Brad. (laughs) It's insane. Like it just, you know, I love this. And I think, you know, we need to bring this to the world that make more people aware of it. Like EFT, all of these things, all of these modalities, people need to know about these things. And we're doing it. We're doing it. You're doing it. it. It's just incredible. Well, I am so inspired by your story and this is only the tip of the iceberg for your story. I, I think it's absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. I really did sit there many years ago and I was like, is this really happening? It <laughs> I'm was like sure. the secret I had. On, I didn't share it right away. Cause I'm like, how do I explain this? Yeah. But then the proof is in the pudding because then where I, I couldn't at the time bend over to touch my toes while I'm seated. I, I was hurting to touch my knees. Yeah. I was in all these spasms and things often. And I, I had, you know, work, but I, and I had a kid and I had a life, but again, it was constantly interrupted. 
And I sat there and I went, I'm going to commit to this practice. I'm not really going to talk about it. Yeah. And my only thing is that I just need to sit. I, I'm just yeah. going to sit every day. It doesn't have to be at the same time for me. It was sort of within the morning-ish time. And mm-hmm. I'd give myself whatever I needed, 20 minutes to two hours, whatever I had time for. That was the dedication. And the dedication is never So just don't assume, sit down, breathe, connect ground and connect to the light and see what happens. And the journey went on, went from there. I mean, I, I, I never would have expected to have healed the way I did or, yeah. you know, I was hiking. I wasn't able to hike more than 20 minutes. Wow. I was hiking hours. I was able to touch my toes and do yoga poses. And I, I developed a whole yoga practice. I mean, it just went <laughs> on and on from there. Like you just keep going. And then, then the gift came in that I could heal others. And I did Reiki. I took Reiki about 10 or 12 years ago. And that started the journey of, okay, so this, so all this wisdom I have that I've been applying to myself can be given to other people. And then the medical intuitive seeing gift came through just, you know, as I'm, as I was ready. It just unfolded, each piece mm-hmm. unfolded as you're ready to receive it, right? That's and just, I went to I, art school. So I have a professional fine art degree, um, yeah. which I did when my twenties and I uh, early twenties and you know, again, that's an intuitive practice that also led to this because I was right. opening myself up to, you're an artist, you know what it is to, yep. to see and yep. to get a feeling like that's something and go towards it. Yeah, absolutely. But I would imagine that a lot of intuitives feel that way when they first discover their gifts. It's like, oh shit, am I, am I going crazy here? Is this really happening? Like, I can't share this with anybody. I'm not yeah. like, I can't, people are going to think I'm crazy. And especially yeah. for someone at a young age, I mean, I've, I've interviewed women and talked to people who have discovered their gifts at the age of eight, nine, 10 years mm-hmm. old. And it's like, I can't even imagine that struggle internally, what those kids at that young age go through and, and what they have to deal with having stumbled onto these gifts, you know? So even, and I mean, I think it's enough, as you explained, when you discovered your gifts as an adult how hard that was and how you had to, how you felt you had to keep it to yourself. It's just. Well, the truth of it is I I didn't understand I had these gifts as a child, but I'm only understanding that I knew that now because I repressed it as many, many who have the empathic gifts do. And we also understand that empathic gifts are developed as a coping tool when we're young. Right. I definitely have. I mean, I've done my life path number. I, I know my astrology. I understand that I'm inclined to 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 be a healer and a, and you know have intuitive gifts like this. Yeah. However, we do develop these skills as a as a coping tool. And again, I was in a happy home, but I'm a sensitive person, and I and there it wasn't always happy in the home as as no one's childhood is perfect. Right. And so mm-hmm. so I developed these tools to kind of stay one step ahead of the environment, you know, so if my sister yeah. wanted to, you know, chase me and she was angry and whatever, like I already knew what was coming beyond the usual. So but what happened right. is I couldn't talk about these things. I couldn't, um, couldn't develop them in safely. It didn't feel safe to develop them. So when did you then, I'm curious, when did you feel comfortable enough to start sharing that? And what was the catalyst for you to say, okay, I can share this stuff and, and not even share it for use with to help others, but just share it and talk about it. Like, I mean, having all that kept inside, I can only imagine how tough that must've been because you must've felt like a pressure cooker, keeping all that inside, wanting to let it out and not feeling like you were able to. So when did that point come for you? It came through in different ways, you know, as it does, you okay. start to pay attention to the, right. the breadcrumb trail leading you to your purpose. Obviously, I felt the relief when I started to do this work on myself, right? right? 
I felt inspired every time I did Reiki or any kind of healing or any opportunity that I had to do the work with others before I took it on as a professional practice. I was always like, oh, this is something. I always felt a release. I always, like you said, the pressure cooker absolutely was there. I believe it was contributing to my chronic pain. Anytime we're not being honest with ourselves, we're not allowing Mm -hmm. our full being to be present and to Mm -hmm. be shown, seen and heard, or we're not feeling seen and heard. We experience some, you know, that repression starts that cycle, right? Right. Pain. So it came out again after working for the school district, which was a great, fantastic, many years in my life, I was working in adult education. I loved working with the students and being there for them and coaching them. I ran a vocational school for 3,000 students. Wow. And, you know, out of like 25 staff members, I mean, you know, we had, it was a serious business. And at the same time, I loved being there for people and educating mainly women getting back on track to work, a lot of um, new immigrants. It was a, it was very satisfying work on many uh-huh. levels. However, it wasn't the environment where I could also use my intuitive gifts openly. It wasn't right. an environment where I could say, let me do some energy healing. I guess yeah. you need it, right? <laughs> Clearly wasn't the environment. And, you know, the world of government doesn't fully, you know, you, you don't speak about this stuff either. Yeah. So it's not about the doing. It's like you're not even really speak, you know, to speak about it, right? Uh-huh. And so even though I love the work and I love the, you know, the people I worked with, I recognize I'm like, this is contributing. So my, my pain started to flare a little bit at the end of that job, those roles that I took. And I, I use my pain as a barometer because pain is a barometer and it's a teacher. It's a master teacher and it flares when we go off track. It flares as a warning sign. So this is where you asked me if my pain was completely gone. It was gone, completely gone for 10 years, but it started to come back when I went off track for too long. I was right. meant to be in adult education to learn how to teach adults. This is what I right. do. Yeah. However, it was like, oh, you've stayed a bit too long. You have another destiny. Here, let's wake you up. Uh-huh. You know, we talk about the layers of the onion. I keep getting to different levels. The more high vibrational I become, the more work I can do on the energetic level, the deeper I need to go to not only ground myself, but to go into that trauma, to go into that work and do that work and unearth the stuff that needs to be seen and heard and loved and let go of. So, and forgive those I need to forgive. And that's every walk of life from relationships past to jobs past to whatever. And this is the work. It will continue till the day I die. It it, it doesn't end. And this is the, this is the thing is I also train people to acceptance is key that we can get so angry and frustrated with pain because pain fucking sucks. It really is. It's so debilitating mentally and emotionally. You just, you just want to give up. And I've been there and I understand for anyone listening. It's like, yes, I know. It's like, and, and I train people in, in the trauma informed practice. It's the, it's, it's not your fault, but the unconscious is stirring this stuff up for you to look at. And it is your responsibility to look at it, you know? So the pain mm-hmm. is not your fault. You're not doing this to yourself on purpose, but something's unconsciously trying to show itself and that this pressure cooker is like I don't the resistance is like, I don't want to see it I don't want to see it stuff it down and it creates tension in the body and it you know it explodes in different ways for different people and not not in the fun explosion kind of way no definitely not <laughs> there's only one explosion that's fun and yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> so how then Mandara would you say these experiences have helped shape the Mandara you are today, both personally and professionally. Well, I, like I said, pain is a teacher and a barometer and I'm, um, it's also a protector. So I've learned to protect myself in ways that 
were good at some point in time as I needed the protection. And it's a journey of letting go of that protection and opening. So in some ways it shaped me to become protective in ways that I wish I, you know, yeah, I wish I hadn't needed it, but I also totally honor and accept that that was the journey. And it shaped me in a way where I've always been thankful that I've had these back issues because it's led me to my purpose. This is the, you know, transforming pain into purpose. I found my purpose to help others in a way that it just feels so good to hold space for people and to witness transformation, to to be there for those aha moments and the shifts in energy and the mindset shifts. You feel it in the air. I feel it. I'm not only a seer, but I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm clairsentient. I, I feel it. I feel it. And I'm a Pisces. (laughs) So I I feel it intensely and it's a beautiful gift. I always come away energized from a session. So, so to go back into my own struggles and it shaped my life and that I, I continue on the journey. I walk the walk. I don't just talk the talk. So I continually peel layers of that onion, grow, learn from it and impart the wisdom. That is truly beautiful and powerful. So when did you really start to embrace your gift and decide to start using it to help others? At what point? My mother ended up at a health crisis that put her in the hospital. It was last minute flight out to Quebec to see her. Wasn't completely sure what I was walking into, but of course I have medical intuitive gifts and energy gifts. And I checked in and I could see that she needed to make some decisions on a deep soul level. And I arrived there with my sisters and we went into the hospital and I sensed that I could help her on a deep level if she allowed the healing in, if she wanted it. So sitting in the hospital, I could sense there was a blockage in her energetic body, you know, in the Uh chakras. And I was able to clear that for her. And miracles occurred. And I thought I'm on the right track here because we don't know which way this could have gone. I mean, it could have gone really poorly. And she walked out of the hospital uh, within a week and doctors were like, I've never seen that before. (laughs) How did this happen? How is this possible? (laughs) And her healing continued. Her healing continued. We continued to work on it for many, many months and she recovered two and a half years faster than they'd ever seen before. Holy shit. Now her healing journey is her healing journey. She's on it. She developed yeah. a healing, a conscious healing practice through this work. And you know, it's the layers of the onion. Yeah. However, I could not, I'll never forget that moment. She'll never forget that moment. Our whole family bonded with that experience. Um, we all worked together to make, to help her in our, in, and used our gifts. We all have our different gifts, but right. that was my contribution and it helped her. It was what she needed. And I continued to do energy healing and, and the mind-body syndrome work with her. And here's the sad part. She could never talk to her doctors about it. So they're busy sitting there going, well, we don't understand what happened. So they're now studying her case. They don't understand. And yet, you know, no, you it, know, we don't talk about it. She's not yeah, going to talk about a, it. No, it's like a dirty secret. You can't tell people this. And it, you should be able to. More people, as I said previously, and I'm sure you, you agreed, we need to spread the word about this. More people need to find out and learn about this so that they can use these gifts and help others as well. Think of what a different place this world would be if more people were aware of the powers within that we have and the strength of our minds and all of these things. Exactly. I mean, you know, the, the thing about Western medicine is healers and the holistic modalities complement it perfectly because yeah. you, you often need both. It's Absolutely. not an either or, it's an and situation. 
Yeah. So this is where those integrative practices have done their best, you know, where they have Reiki, massage, physio, you know, certain practices yeah. starting, they, I mean, it's been there a while, but, but it's like really just allow this in. But again, what we know in the medical field is they don't even study stress. I think they, I think, I think it's known that they get seven hours of their total medical degree wow. on stress. Seven hours. That's and, they, it. and they have no trauma training. Stress is a silent killer. Right. They know that, but they don't study it in depth. And they understand the psychological implications of trauma. Like they understand what goes on with PTSD and war. Like they're starting to let things in, but not fully. Yeah. <laughs> they're sort of like dipping their toes in and going, well, this, th for this, it makes, for PTSD, it makes sense, but nothing right. else. Like, no, maybe your migraine or your chronic fatigue and all of this, it, it's caused by the stress, right? Yeah, yep, so, for sure. They blanket that term. I'm pretty sure. I'm not 100% sure right. um, now that I study mind-body syndrome work, but I'm pretty sure I needed that back surgery. Yeah. Um, but I didn't need to have all that pain and definitely not for 22 years. And they didn't know what to do. They just kept looking at me like, we don't know why you have that. Good luck. <laughs> Send you on your way. Good yeah. luck, Mandara. Sorry, we can't figure it out. You're on your own. Yeah. And nowhere did anyone say, how are you feeling with all this? Right. What's going on for you? You know? Yeah, what's going on in your life that could be contributing to this? Yeah, not once. Wow. Right? And as a child, mind. how do you telegraph? So, you know, when you're 30, between 30 and 60, and you have chronic pain stuff, you can speak up for yourself. Yes. But when you're 9, 11, 12, 13, 15, you don't know how to say this. No. So it just gets absolutely. buried. It gets buried and it gets worse. And you just, as you said, you just kind of deal with it and get used to it, which no one should ever have to do. And on a nervous system level, it's totally screwed my nervous with my nervous system, right? Yeah, I'm still treating sure. my nervous system today, which is why it can flare. Now, again, yeah. I appreciate the flare. I always say, thank you for showing me <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that I'm yeah. a little off today or this yeah. week or this month. Okay, what's yeah. just, I, I, I literally talk to myself like the inner child work, you know, like, hello. <laughs> you know, on yeah. the other hand, my nervous system has been wired with the autonomic response, the autonomic brain is, you know, the fight or flight or freeze yeah. is I've been in a perpetual state of, I believe, freeze since I was probably nine. Holy shit. So um, some people are in a perpetual state of fight or flight. And yeah. so generally, you know, a lot of digestion issues come from a permanent state of flight we're now uncovering. Um, but we mostly know the fight or flight one because, you know, I know a lot of people with autoimmune issues are more in a fight state. Right. Their bodies are fighting themselves. Yeah. You know, it's they're what right? It's attacking itself. So and again, I always tell people this is not your fault. You didn't create autoimmune. You didn't create chronic pain. You didn't do it. But we need to accept what it is and go figure out where it comes from. Wow. Mind is blown yet again. <laughs> I love talking about this. I love this work. I love to yes, I can, I can more hear minds. it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm Neo. Let's go free some minds, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's do it. What type of person or client is your ideal client? Like what things do you look for in a potential client before deciding to work with them? I look for someone who's ready to do the work. Someone who is generally, they're generally, depending on what the work is. So I offer many different services. Someone comes to me who's looking for some life path coaching. Like they don't know what to do with their job. They hate their job. There's, you know, family issues and they've got some yeah. insight and ideas. They're looking more for an intuitive coaching session where we tease out what it is they need. And I would give them an overall intuitive reading, you know, use my gifts to kind of see what is sort of blocked and stagnant and where there's potentials for opening. 
And that helps them figure out the direction. And, and some people only want a few sessions there. And so I'm quite broad with who I take there because okay. it may not, it may not be long, long-term coaching sessions. If I'm working with someone who's got chronic pain, for example, they usually come to me when they have gone through the medical, the Western medical system, and it's, it's, it's either done all it can for them or it failed them or they still don't understand, you know, what, what's going on. And so they've done all the tests and they've done the x-rays. They've maybe even had surgery and they're going, okay, why do I still have pain? And they're looking at it from a perspective of I'm ready to do what it takes and see what I need to see. And those are the mind-body syndrome practitioner clients that I would take on. And of course, you know, my 12-week program, people who, again, once again, are ready to, to, they want those mindset shifts and they're ready to do what's necessary. And we develop the trust over time. I don't expect it to happen in one session, right? right. But they're, they're open. Other than that, I always take people from where that, where they're at. We begin right there. There's nowhere they need to you know, just wherever they're at is where they're at. That's where we right. begin the journey. So basically, they but they need to be willing to put in the work and do the work and be open minded. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to just take people's money and they show up every week. And you know, if someone just wants energy healing, you yeah. know, it's like getting a massage. It's like I feel it does even more than massage, just because I, I work my mental, physical, spiritual, right. emotional, all, all the uh, energy bodies. Yeah. Massage is awesome though. It would be great if I combined the two, but I'm not a massage therapist. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love massage, but you know, I mean, if they just want to come and relax and restore, I can do an energy healing. Like then they just need to lie there so people can do come once a week, you know, yeah, and just yeah. absorb. That's right. a beautiful gift to self. But if we're going to really shift, then yeah, they need to show up and be prepared to to do the work. The work is learning how to love yourself, to reparent, yeah. reparent yourself, to reprogram the conscious, you know, the uh, conscious mindset, like to, to heal the unconscious, to allow the unconscious forward. The work isn't always scary. It's not the scary that people think it is. It's actually freeing. So we use the term work, but it's a little bit, you know, it's daunting sounding like, yeah. oh, it's work. It's, it's, and it's not play. So I can't quite use that, but it definitely, it can be. Yeah. We, la we laugh a lot, you know, we, we uncover things and we laugh and we forgive and we learn about ourselves and we accept ourselves. It just feels so damn good. So it's really not work. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. It's hard to use that word work because it's not really work, but like you said, it's not play either. So it's attention, you know what it is. And I, I, ha I like this line where you have attention and intention, you have transformation. There so it's go. focusing your attention on whatever needs to be focused on with the intention to open, to receive, to learn, to grow, to heal, to Transform. accept. Yeah. Love it. What lights you up or inspires you the most about the work that you do? You know, on a selfish level. <laughs> <laughs> if we're being completely honest here. <laughs> it's a bit of a high in term. I won't lie. Like opening to channel energy for people. I get to partake in that energy. There's motivation for me to feel, like I said, what happens is so I open and I'm feeling all this beautiful energy come through me. And then of course I get the, oh, there's some pain there. Okay. Yeah. I have to feel that too. So it's not just all one thing because I'm meant to feel the pain so that I can see the areas we're meant to go and stay and where the work needs to be done, the attention and intention. <laughs> but it is such an inspiration every time to feel that energy and witness. And I think I said that before, but witness the shift. I, I get to feel it. So when you feel something in your body, it, you can't deny it. 
You know, you can have thoughts and go, I think that happened. You know, there's certain things, but this was like, I felt that. And it's very inspiring every time to continue to do the work and to continue to hold space for people, to uncover their gifts. And I love sharing these stories. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Oh, my honor. I'm a Toastmaster and I'm a, I'm a competition winner and I love to speak about this stuff. So I love to, you know, it keeps me going to, to be in these this beautiful energy and connection with people people and then go in and, and, and impart that and get more connection going and more awareness going. So that's a great segue. Cause I'm curious how you and I have said this multiple times through this conversation already is we need more people to know about this. How do we continue to push the knowledge out there and to make more people aware? Do you think in your opinion, how do we, how do we push this knowledge out there for more people? People love to learn through stories. They love hearing okay. a story. I feel that transfers faster than anything else. You know, I feel like indigenous people knew this, know this, they still keep the stories going. And I feel like a lot of stories are lost, you know, our ancestral stories in each of our, we don't necessarily know them all or many of them. Maybe we don't even know any of them. I'm not religiously Jewish, but I do come from a Jewish background and I don't, know the stories. You know, I'd have a relative who's just put together this amazing gift to everybody where she researched the heck out of what, whatever she could to find out who our great, great grandparents were and, and how they survived the Holocaust, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm going here because to me, I work with mind body syndrome practitioner, like to understand what we've inherited yeah. <laughs> in our being, like what's inherited and where the traumas have come from and been passed on from generation to generation and what strengths have been passed on from generation to generation. This is part of the learning about, you know, who we are on one level and just mm-hmm. so that we can talk about the feelings like, you know, the generations past, they didn't talk about what they were feeling or what they were doing. It was never talked about. So I guess I can't change the past. However, we can start doing that now onwards. We can talk to our kids and tell them these stories and, and our stories and of self-awareness, you know, like I tell my daughter about my journey, about my intuitive gifts, about how they work, about what I've uncovered about myself in the process of, of taking on this work And she may or may not want to do this work. She has another, you know, she's in musical theater. She's going to be on Broadway. (laughs) She has a different, but she'll be telling stories too in just a different way. And the more open and honest and vulnerable and courageous we are in sharing who we are, I believe the more our society can become okay with this. (laughs) And I believe those intuitive healing gifts and the mindset, they're all waiting for us. We just need to open. So the more we open, the more society opens as a whole, you know, and the more those natural gifts will come streaming in. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I just, I love this. It's so exciting. I mean, this is incredible. I just, I want to, I want to shout this from the mountaintops. Like this is fucking amazing. It truly is. And it needs to be shouted from the mountaintops, the rooftops, mountaintops, whatever the fuck you want, wherever you want to shout it from. But we need to continue shouting this information and sharing this information so that more people become aware and more minds get opened. And I mean, there are a lot of closed minded people out there who will, I don't think will ever open their minds enough to receive it. And that's okay. That's their journey. But I honestly think that within or as a result of or in light of this whole pandemic experience we've been through for the past two years, I think it has opened a lot of minds 
to possibilities, to shifting our way of thinking, shifting our mindset, realizing that, you know what, we don't have to continue doing things the way we've been doing them for the past decades upon decades, centuries even. We can start to change things. And that shone a light on that. So I think that that whole experience has helped open the minds of people to a certain degree. And I think there's still a lot more stuff coming down the pike that will open more people's minds. We're not through this journey yet. There's still a lot of awakening and I don't like using that word, but there's still a lot of awakening to be done and it's coming sooner rather than later. I really feel and believe that. I feel it too. I'm with you hundred percent. And clearly you and I are part of the the people to help lead this. And I don't mean the ultimate leaders. I mean, we're all equal. No. We're all yep. equal in leading. We, we are, we are shining our light. Yeah. And leading through example, like through the lives we lead and what we choose that live, sorry, and what we choose, you know? And I was going to say with the pandemic, absolutely. uh, And there's no better motivator than visiting your own mortality. And of course, it was also a great connector for moments. It bonded us and then it polarized us and it's gone through its journey. But I felt a lot of bonding in the beginning. It was quite beautiful. For a moment amidst all the pain, but that's yeah. where I've come to look at pain and I understand that it's a teacher. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's been a hell of a lot of divisiveness for sure that's come as a result of what's gone it's on. And we sad. can also yeah. include politics in there and all the shit that's gone on in the US. And, and that's mean, uniting us too, because it yeah. polarized us, but then it went, hey, this isn't fucking right. And Black Lives Matter. Yes. And and, you know, um, every child matters and yeah. the movements that have come through. And now with this um, abortion ruling, yeah. the people are meant to get angry and united. And yes. I, I, at the same time, I hope they have righteous, develop righteous anger, which is necessary yeah. versus anger, anger, which is destructive. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's, it's almost like it's this constant tug of war that polarizes us, brings us to, unites us, polarizes mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. constant yeah, And I mean, united we stand, divided we fall. And I think that there's a lot of people who want us divided. Absolutely. That divide and conquer is a, yeah. a for a reason. And, yep. for, you know, let the people do each other in so we don't have yeah. to uh, do it. Exactly. I mean, it's so obvious to me. Yep. <laughs> Just like, but, you know. You know so many people can't see it or don't see it or they no, don't want to see they it. Don't they don't want to. Because how scary would that be if you couldn't trust the people in power? It, it's a scary position. And by the way, this is where the trauma works back to because right. we're vulnerable as babies and children. This is why we repress emotions. We don't want to feel what happened and we get pain. The pandemic triggered people and people are walking around triggered right now and don't know they are. They're leading normal lives, quote unquote, but they're totally triggered. So they're so right. They're right. You know, the wrong kind of righteous. I don't, you know, this is the yeah. right. like, I'm right, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. um, the, you know, the absolutism about their position versus the openness. Like I have remained during the pandemic open to to each individual story, each mm-hmm. individual need and medical attention they need. And like, right. you know, you want to get vaccinated, you don't. I love you both. Yeah, I don't exactly. agree with one, I agree with the other, doesn't matter. I hold space for you both equally. Right. And this trauma is what keeps people in a pattern of programming. It's like it's like you're talking to a machine. Yeah. <laughs> when people yeah. are triggered, it's like you're talking to a wall or a machine that kind yeah. of like their program is running yeah. in the background. Yeah, exactly. you know? It's like the matrix, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's 
You, you said, though, mm. how scary it is to admit that you can't trust your government, but how scary is it to keep the blinders on? That's even worse, I think. Yeah. And that's the work part about what I do. So, you know, there's the microcosm and the macrocosm. So the macrocosm is society as a whole reaction to the pandemic and the trend right. that was going on. And if you work with each person individually, that same thing is going on. That same, yeah. that, you know, so the microcosm is let's look at your childhood. Let's look at where you're triggered and how the pandemic has triggered you, you know, what it's bringing yeah. up for you at a conscious and unconscious level. And if we, one by one, people awaken, people heal, people really it is a get conscious, right? So if they can get self-aware, if they can get conscious one by one, that's that awakening you're talking about to me, where one by one, people look at, let's say the pandemic's a perfect example right now to inspire awakening because people can go, fuck, I was really triggered. Like I've been yeah. walking around in a haze, but I can't fix that at the global level. I can't change the government. I can't, you know, collectively we can over time. Yes. We can't just do that right now, but I can work on myself and I can go into my own triggers and my own pain and why the pandemic has thrown me off so much. And yeah. you can go into the logical brain and go, well, of course it threw you off and that masses amounts of people were dying, loved ones lost, jobs lost. There's no question that it's, yeah. it's logical, but but that's not what, what's causing us to be triggered. It's the unconscious that yeah. causes us to lose our shit without warning. Like, why are we okay one minute suddenly we're yelling at our kid the next? Yeah. And we stop and we go, why did we just do that? Absolutely. How do we lose our shit that much, and especially at a two-year-old, which then, of course, cycles the trauma for that kid, and it, yeah. it just goes on and on and on. It's never-ending. Yeah. This could be an entire episode in itself. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe we should we should revisit that for another episode, just focused <laughs> solely on awakening and, and all of the things that surround that. It's part of it. You know, the, the thing is, is it's in our present. If we become present, we look at what's around us, what's affecting us, what's not, you know, becoming conscious, it all applies. And absolutely, there can be one show on what we're talking about. Yeah. But the main point is simply that to be aware, if it affected yes. you, get aware how on a deeper level than just isn't that a shame or that sucks yeah <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah yes i mean look look back to the 60s even they're talking about awakening and waking up i mean they were on to something you know like 1920s <laughs> i think there's many different yeah, yeah. which all the years where they were trying to break free and yeah but again it gets shut down because you know i don't know it's it's <laughs> I love talking about this stuff. It, it's awesome. I, it, it's so incredible. And there's just so much out there and so much we don't even know yeah. or turn our blinders on to not know because of whatever the reasons may be, you know? It's... Well, we have, a, we walk around with a lot of expectations, which keep yeah. us blind to, to the moment. True. Very true. I would love to speak a little bit, going off topic now, we'll leave that one behind. Mm -hmm. okay. um, I would love to speak a little bit about your fine art practice. You practice the art of pyrography. Mm -hmm. Can you explain a little bit about what that is and the process for that? Absolutely. It's fun, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen I've seen you at work in video and yeah. it looks like a lot of fun. I get to light up a blowtorch and burn shit. <laughs> <laughs> Set shit on fire. I do. <laughs> I work in a in a campfire basically because I I burn wood in my art studio. I burn. I work a lot in plywood, which people are like plywood. I'm like, well, it burns beautifully, and there's different layers that it's assembled in different layers. 
And so I route her down to the different layers, which create different textures and I work and it actually creates different colors. And, and then I apply paint. Uh, often I, I mix paint and pyrography and uh, it's, it's such a beautiful gift. I went to, you know, a fine arts school. I went to Concordia University and also Emily Carr University to finish my degree. I was in, you know, sculpture class doing woodworking and I loved it. But then I was like, maybe I could burn this piece I did. And I took a piece of plywood outside just to kind of fiddle with learning to burn with a blowtorch. Yeah. And this piece lit up on fire and it revealed all the grain. So I was working on quite a big piece of wood and there's this, this you know, this beautiful grain pattern is revealed with the burning process. And it looked like water and it looked like, you know, currents of air and water. And 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 I just went, oh, this is inspiring. It, it just mimicked nature. And I mean, it is nature. It's natural and it mimicked yeah. the skyline and the, and the ocean and the mountains and so I played with it and developed my own unique practice and it really isn't done in many places I, I I looked and there's a beautiful wood burning process done in Africa like you know ancient art and they right. what they would do that the original burning practices for wood was like burning it completely and then almost like erasing it you know and, and wow. so I use a sander to do that technique as well so okay. sometimes I leave the wood revealed with just a bit of burn and sometimes I burn the shit out of it and then I sand <laughs> it. And yeah, it just felt very aligned. Again, it was a beautiful intuitive practice. What's different than working on canvas because I'm also an oil painter. Yeah. I do a lot of landscape and figurative, but you know, you start with a blank canvas. It's a little daunting sometimes Yeah, <laughs> when I'm you sure. start with a piece of wood, you've got all this texture and movement. So I kind of stare at it for a while and then decide where I want to take the piece. And so how long have you been creating in this art form and process? Oh, 20, well, that would be probably 15 years. I started art. I, I mean, I, I've been doing art for 20 years. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And where do you pull your inspiration from when you're creating your artwork? I'm a hiker. So I'm in nature. I'm, I'm out there vibing on the trees and the wind and the water and the, and the creatures that come out to see, say hi. So, <laughs> and I do have a very, like I said, intuitive practice. I connect, I must be connecting with some sort of spirit when I do this work because the serendipitous happens. I feel everyone would understand this who does any creative process. I know my daughter who writes music, my husband does music, any, any field of arts kind of like, where did that come from? That just yeah. happened. That just appeared. Wow. I made that little accident. You know, I, I flicked my wrist a different way with the paint and it was, it like changed the whole piece. It's such yeah. an incredible sensation to become one with this energy. And like I said, it was a great teacher for the intuitive healing work to come through when I started healing myself, because it's that same feeling of this feels right. And and if I'm going off a little bit, not, not that that's not quite right. So it's just really fine tuning that awareness. And of course, then you're using the technical tools, whatever you love. And I love burning and I love painting. (laughs) (laughs) Put them both together and there we have it. Yeah. And the wood crackles and smells like a campfire and it's beautiful. And of course I should wear my mask and protection more. I do have fans on going, you know, I I, I do my best to ventilate, but it is kind of like fun just to be right there with the wood and the blowtorch without a mask on. (laughs) (laughs) That is incredible. Like I said, I've seen a video of you creating and it's an absolutely incredible process yes it's so beautiful thank you please people check out the art it's it's such a beautiful it's a it's you know it's beautiful to see i love seeing people's art i mean just to share in that yeah i will definitely share the link to that video that will be in the show notes for sure so people can check out your work and see what you're doing see the beauty that you're creating and with 
setting shit on fire. <laughs> setting shit on fire. We're gonna also, in the purest sense, transformation. Yes. We're gonna right, set shit on right. fire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm curious, as a creative yourself, I mean, I think about this a lot, but do you think that we're all born with an innate creativity within us? And then secondly, you know, there are people that are just born with that level or that skill of just being, when I, when I think music, a virtuoso, like guitar players, mm, yeah. you've got Beethoven, and, and then you've got painters like Da Vinci and all of these. I mean, these people are just born with that skill within them. Now, let's call that the 10% of the population that's born with this. It's almost like they came out of the womb mm-hmm. with a paintbrush or a guitar or whatever the case may be. The other 90% that have to work at that skill. And yes, they can. I think they can achieve a level of skill. But do you think that it's possible for those people, that 90%, to reach that pinnacle of skill that that 10% has through practice and, and honing that skill set? What an interesting question. It's a good one to, to feel out, to think about. My immediate response is, it's that same feeling of that that I keep describing of surrender and receiving and opening. Mm-hmm. Because when we get in our head, so yes, there's the people who have this talent, like it's like their birth, their life purpose is like, yeah. you know, or or did they bring it with them from some past life? Like, what is going yes. on? How is this yeah. possible? I, and that's, yeah. a, that's something else. But when you are sitting there working on something, I feel there's two things that's happened to most people who do art of any kind, music, photography, whatever. Often they were told when they were younger that they weren't any good. Somewhere there's a wounded child there where they showed mommy, daddy, or a teacher or a friend or an older sibling, something, a picture, and they're like, that shit. Maybe they didn't say it that way, but it felt that way. So that's actually really common. And the other common piece, my first day of art school, my teacher, who's a renowned Canadian painter, working and sold all over the world, he said, he's like, you guys are here. You've all arrived today. You've chosen this degree because someone in your life has moved you and you've seen art done. Most likely a family member. There's someone in your family or in your immediate life as a child who you watch do art. People who didn't get to see art made won't take it up. And so they'll tell themselves between the example of they were, because we all start out as artists, I believe. I think we're all artists, Brad, right from birth, whether we have a virtuous mind or not. The two-year-old is scribbling happily, joyously using colors, freely making marks. And if they did that every day, they'd become a virtuoso. So there's no question. And if we didn't judge those marks because we can't see what they are, like, why does it have to be something? Why does it have to be an elephant or a bus? You know, they scribbled yellow, they say bus. Why does it have to look like the outline of a bus? right? Right. And so this is where we start to be controlled and we start to learn that's not okay. And we don't like that feeling. So we don't do it. And then if nobody in our life around us was making arts, we didn't work, then we didn't bother to work more of that out. And so we let it go. But a lot of people in their fifties and sixties, like I used to teach art and a lot of people, you know, go back to it later in life when they start to open to and allow themselves, forgive themselves for not being perfect, you know, yeah. and they just go, it's okay. I'm going to try it now. Cause they always loved it, but somewhere they were wounded. I believe that we all would do some form of art if we, um, I'm not inclined to do it. Like some people are like, I love sports more than art. Great. Spend all your time doing that. You know, I'm not yeah. saying everyone would sit down and draw most of the day, but I feel like everyone would have a bit of that because we all observe all day long. We're all looking, feeling, yeah. and seeing, and we all like to express ourselves and talk 
you know, maybe there's more introverted people, but they might be more inclined to do art, to express themselves through that form. Mm -hmm. So expression, I think, is a natural human. It promotes wellness to express yourself in some form. So I I feel like it's innate, yes. And I feel like there is trauma there when people feel, when they say things like, oh, I never could be good at that or I never was. Where does that come from? Why wouldn't they just say, oh, I haven't gotten to that yet, maybe? (laughs) Again, it goes back to conditioning, right? Right. So it came from somewhere. That's not them speaking. I think about that topic a lot. It's interesting to me. It really is. Because yeah. you hear, you always hear people say, oh, I don't have a creative bone in my body. It's like, we all do. It's yeah. just a matter of finding it. And your creativity is different than mine. Yeah. Photography is my creativity. Maybe mm-hmm. cooking is yours. I mean, exactly. cooking is creative. There's so many forms of creativity. So it drives it's me nuts when I hear people. The language that the talking about the creative energy coming through and the inspiration to be creative. And like you said, in all sense, like people, you know, building things, you know, engineering and all that kind of stuff, like, you know, building blocks and building things. And it's so beautiful to see. Yeah. You're right on. I, it's a great question because it's very, I know from, I know it's very healing. Creative energy is very healing. So it is, it's there. Look at, look at all the different types of art therapy they do for, for people Mm -hmm. in institutions. And I don't know, the arts needs to be pushed more, I think in our school system. And again, that's a whole other podcast episode, our school system, our education system. But I think that music and paint, all of these things need to be pushed more in the education system. Do you remember that campaign? It was, um, it was one of the times when the writers union went on strike and they put out a series, I think it was about 15 years ago or so, maybe 10, I don't know. They put out a series of, it was a commercial where you just saw people flipping through blank pages and watching TV with a white screen and yeah. going to an art museum and that it was framed what like blank canvases were. Framed. Yeah. Yeah. It was so poignant to yeah. feel like what our world would be without that stuff. And, Absolutely. and it, it flipped it on its head, which is like, why aren't the arts more encouraged? Yeah. When it gives us a full life to have it, it enriches it our lives on such a massive scale and everybody knows it. And yet it goes out the window is the first thing that's, yeah. Well, that's not yeah. Let, we got to We got to cut the arts program. Sorry, but cut yeah. the music program. We don't have funding for music for kids. And yeah. no, this is what they need. These are the things that are. Think of what the world would be like with no music. Could you imagine? Right. Like it's unimaginable. No, and it's it's helpful for mental health on such a massive scale. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Well, that therein lies a whole other episode: mental mm-hmm. health. And mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's. It, it's crazy. It's absolutely. And then, of crazy. course, it's totally skewed because you've got the Hollywood actors um, making, you know, millions and, yeah. and musicians making the biggest paychecks, and everyone wants to be them. While on the ground, nothing's being encouraged. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it's so ass. It's like a dream that you could never have because we're not encouraging you to even do it. Yeah, exactly. So good luck. Just go buy yeah. something. It'll make you feel better. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, buy something. It'll make you feel better. There you go. Just. Just buy the sunglasses that musician has. You don't need to be a musician. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Mandara, what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? Besides my intuition. Can I say that one again? (laughs) My intuition is always the number one. I believe in people. I really Mm -hmm. feel, I always give people the benefit of the doubt. I always connect with people and feel and perceive what's awesome. And what's there. And I don't just mean the potentials. I mean, I can feel them. 
And I feel like, you know, you know, yes, there's some people I stay away from as I feel right away. Nope. <laughs> that, that energy is not alone. That's, that's important to, to, to yeah. have, but I really do, you know, believe, and I went traveling when I was um, 1920 and, you know, I went to Turkey at the time and I went to places that at the time people like there's fundamentalists that are, you know, kidnapping tourists and you're yeah. a young girl, you shouldn't go there. And I had the most profound experiences with people as I traveled and especially in Turkey, you know, I was lost. I didn't know where to go. And I asked someone and they put down their grocery bags and walked me there. Wow. You know, you know I had a taxi driver in Australia just come rescue me. Literally, I was just sitting on the street with this big bag and no money and I needed to get somewhere. I had this asshole boyfriend at the time I was trying to get away from. <laughs> and she literally pulled up out of nowhere and said, can I help you? And I said, I don't have any money, but I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to get away from this guy. And she just said, well, let me take you. And she drove me around all night and figured out a place for me to stay and helped me. Wow. And it happened to be her anniversary that night. And she had this ring on her finger. She goes, tonight's my anniversary. And she talked to me all about this beautiful husband she had. And here I was with this jerk and yeah. it really supported me to go, okay, I need to leave this guy. Yeah. And so all these experiences to say, like, I started to believe that the world isn't so scary and dangerous and everybody's out to get me. I started to open to people on a new level. And obviously the work I do now, I'm, I'm here. I hold space. Yeah. I'm here. I believe in you. I am present. I believe the shifts are possible. So that's, I think, what my superpower is, along with my intuition, is that I, I really do believe. There's far more good in the world than bad. It's just that the media only shares with us, mostly 99.8% of it is bad. And that's they feed on that and they rely on feeding people's fears. Because again, if you instill fear into the people, you have control. Yes, exactly. Right? Yeah. So. And so I'm here to help counter that and help people trust again. And also learn to stand in their power. You know, I'm part of a, a, a training academy. It's called Training in Power. And it's not about power tripping. It's about holding on to your power and knowing when to fight and when to receive and open and when to, you know, so when to stand your ground so that you never leak your energy, you never leak your power, finding your power, maintaining it. And then you can be there for others because no harm can come to you when you keep yourself well and in power and in position. So this is the goal for everybody. I just, you know, to not give away their power unconsciously or consciously to people, to, to assholes, you know, yeah. energy vampires, you know, yes. they're around and you need to protect yourself, but you don't need to shut yourself in. You just need to be conscious of what's going on and understand the right amount of power to give that situation, you know, for to, sure. to clear it and to keep your own, own self well. So that's the training. It's a warrior training, you know, yeah. it's literally yeah. like it's, it's, it's what it means to be a warrior. I, um, beautifully said, I love it. How do you define success, Mandara? What does that word mean to you? Well, it's shifted over the, over my lifetime right now. Success means feeling whole. I love this line, getting paid to be me <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, following my path with, with a courageous heart and feeling like it keeps opening to me. Like, it's like, that feels like success. Like I just shifted. Ooh, I just did it. You know, I'm on yeah. the next part of the path. Woohoo! Like it feels so good. And that's my high. And yeah. the man manifesting, you know, being in aligned with the universe. So things that word flow, so things are flowing. That's when I know I'm, I'm on it. Yeah. You know? 
money is is a is um a multiplier it can come in and i trust it'll come in when i need it to come in and i trust that the people will show up at the that i need and and you know and the people i'm meant to serve and help will show up when they need it and when, when it's aligned so it's that feeling of alignment where i keep yeah. moving forward and i can feel like yeah and this is the tricky part the shadow work where you can't move forward without sometimes staying standing still. And so the honoring, that's the, the, the journey is honoring the shadow side where it's like, oh, I'm not feeling well. I don't know which way to turn. There's this line, you know, the real work begins when you don't know what to do. Yeah. And, you know, when you don't know where to go, when you're lost, that's when, you know, you can find yourself in the deepest sense. That's success too, you know, where it's like, oh, I'm, it's like the season of winter. I'm meant to rest right now and recoup because, but I still feel aligned there. Do you know what I mean? There's this, yeah. like, no, this is fine. I need to sit here for a bit. Exactly. So I, I monitor success based on being on my path. Beautiful. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after you learned it? You know, I mentioned this a bit earlier, but it's the never assume assumption has led me in all to all the wrong places, assuming that certain people had my back maybe when they didn't, and they maybe were never meant to, assuming that I was supposed to join a yoga class and do everything the way they told me to do it, and then I got injured, you know? Assuming that if I work in the mainstream system and make a lot of money and I'm a manager and I, I'm, you know, respected in the community for this work, like this will bring me joy. <laughs> <laughs> assuming, you know, a lot of things, assuming yeah. a lot of things. And so when I let go of the assuming part, and it's still a, uh, an ongoing practice, because I start to go, wait, did I just make an assumption? It's just like, I assumed it's not going to rain. And then I didn't take an umbrella. <laughs> never assume, never, That's never right. assume. And I take that at an energetic healing, conscious healing practice level, as I mentioned before, it's literally opening and not assuming that you are in control of everything and that you yeah. know everything because you will be showed differently and that's okay oh, yes. but you will be showed for sure so, so that's what i i i impart and i practice and i fail at it often brad <laughs> failure is good though that's how we learn that's that right. teaches us and that then keeps I'm us like, on our toes yeah so that's that's huge yeah it is definitely what does the word empowerment mean to you Self-recognition with self-love and going back to that, not leaking your energy, you know, no longer giving it away, like giving away your vital energy and without recognizing how precious it is. So yeah. it's, it's seeing yourself for who you are and loving yourself and standing in your power. I love that. What is your personal motto? Always look on the bright side. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Yep. Love it. Okay. We're going to jump into a little <laughs> rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions will just be two, three, four word answer type thing. Okay. Okay. What was your dream job as a child? Media personality. I wanted to be Mary Hart on entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Hart. The, wasn't she, she was the leg. Didn't she yes, have her legs insured for like a million she, dollars? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I just yeah. was like, when the Much Music VJ thing world then came later, I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to be a VJ. I want to be a VJ. <laughs> How would you describe yourself in one word? It has to be intuitive, Brad. It has to be yeah. intuitive. What's your favorite stress-reducing activity? Hiking. 
If you came with a warning label, what would yours say? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I love this one. If you came with a warning label. The word honesty keeps coming up. It's just like, okay. careful, she's honest. <laughs> All right. If you could teach the world one thing, what would that one thing be? Stand in your power. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Freedom. Would you rather have more time or more money? Time. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back <laughs> to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Tell me something about yourself that people would be surprised to know or find out. I dreamt up lottery numbers once and I played them and I won. What? <laughs> How much did you win? 600. I got four out of six numbers. Wow. But I literally dreamt them and my boyfriend at the time, different boyfriend than the last boyfriend. He was like, <laughs> you just dreamt the one in Australia. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he was like, you just dreamt. I woke up. I'm like, I have very specific numbers. I dreamt that I won the lottery. He was like, we have to play those right now. I'm like, nah, it's probably not going to be anything. He's not, We're going to play them right now. Yeah. I won. Sure enough. Wow. That's so, pretty wild. That's not a sign that I have intuitive gifts, right? Yeah. But yeah. I was, but I was, I was 16 years old. But what's wow. interesting is that I, I always say to the universe, I'm like, okay, universe, I know I've got, I know what I do with this money. I, I do some really great things if I won for the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can let me have the big one now. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But I don't play the lottery, so it might not happen. <laughs> <laughs> if you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Hmm. I'm having to close my eyes and really go in here. You know, it's interesting, but Oprah's coming to mind. I knew it. I, I was, I closed my eyes at the same time as you. Right. And I said, Oprah, oh, it's going to be Oprah. Because she's, <laughs> she blends everything that, you know, she's got so many stories and she's interviewed so many people mm -hmm. and she's had her trauma and still working through it. And yes, she, she's met all the people that I'd love to. <laughs> Yeah. Right. So I feel yeah. like a lot of people would answer that, but it did come to mind just because of all, yeah, who I am. What is your why? Connection. Connection. Yeah. I, I connect to others. I connect to myself, to nature, to, to feel that connection is why I do everything. What does the best version of Mandara look like when you close your eyes and imagine it? Well, she's dancing. <laughs> she's dancing she's outside she's got you know can feel the wind going through her she's making other people smile and feel present and connected generally in some sort of kind of circle and when I'm on fire <laughs> I help people connect to themselves to their higher selves and to each other and this is the gift that I offer is I when I'm my energy is high vibrational. It's about dancing and sharing and connecting and, and setting ourselves free. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? I'd say, oh, honey, it's not your fault. Yeah. <laughs> it's not your fault. And just give her a big hug and love her and say, it's your job to go play. It wasn't your job to take this all on, whatever, whatever this is. Lastly, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, like your corner of the world, your tribe, your peeps, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What would you say or what words of wisdom would you impart? And it's my last 30 seconds or everybody in the world's last 30 seconds? Your, yours, just my. to your tribe, your people, your corner of the world. 
I lived, I loved, I'm honored to have walked this path, this journey and lived and loved with all of you. Thank you. Fucking love you. Let's keep <laughs> dancing and I'll see you in the next life. Beautiful. Mandara, thank you so much. Today has been, this interview has been absolutely incredible. <laughs> We've gone off on so many different tangents and you are such an incredibly beautiful human being, soul, woman, and the work you're doing is incredible. We need to continue to spread that word and just continue shining your bright, beautiful light onto the world and doing all the amazing things that you're doing. You are a true inspiration and I am so grateful to have been connected with you and to be able to call you a friend and to now have you as a member of the Empowerography community is such an honor. So thank you so much for being here with me today and sharing your story and your journey. I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Brad. I've had the best time. Thank you. I love you too. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Mandara Lebovitz. She is a trauma-informed holistic life coach, an energy healer, mind-body syndrome practitioner, a medical intuitive, an award-winning speaker, and a fine artist who works with the process of pyrography. Thank you so much, Mandara. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. You too. I'll catch you down the road. <laughs> Further on down the road. <laughs> Thanks, Mandara. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.